The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Trust the process. Do you respect the process? All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Processing the Process. I am your host for the night by myself, Brian Finch. Uh, Rye's got to do some work duties, so we're, we're going to handle this ourselves because uh, I got a great co-host uh, just waiting in the wings, just the, the perfect wingman, the perfect co-pilot for doing a mock draft, specifically a Buffalo Bill-centric mock draft, the one and only Bruce Nolan. What's going on, Bruce? It's party all the time. Disco ball stancers, the whole thing. Beautiful. That's why you. That's why you hide. It's not to hide your face. It's it's to hide uh, the party in the background. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah. The disco ball would really you know kind of mess up the lighting and yeah. things like that, and all the music you're constantly going in the background. Right. It's, just, it's really distracting, and so it's really I'm doing a favor for you guys. I appreciate that. You don't you don't know how hard. Uh, I'd be concentrating. I'm easily distracted, like a like a small dog. <laughs> so yeah, we're taking we're done with the breakdown series that we've been doing the last few weeks. You know, just getting all the off season stuff out of the way, and now we're ready to look towards the draft. And Ryan and I, if you've been following along with us, uh, you know that Ryan and I are big Bells fans, and the reason that we're so dialed into the draft and just huge draft fans is because most of my life, most of Ryan's life, and yes, even a good portion of Bruce's life, uh, the bills weren't very good. So the one bright moment of the year was always that draft. You were looking to the draft, you're watching players in college football, you're getting ready to see who could be that one stud player to potentially move this franchise into the playoffs. And apparently we were just waiting for one guy named Josh Allen. That seems right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you drift through the wilderness long enough and eventually, you know, you find something that helps you. Uh, yeah. I think that there's plenty of opportunities for this team to have been good if the quarterback was good. I mean, you look at the 2004 Buffalo Bills, you look at the 2014 Buffalo Bills. There are numerous opportunities, specifically during the drought, for the Buffalo Bills to have been a reasonable team if they had a good quarterback. And right. so – you know, and then the moments when they did have a good quarterback in 2002 when Drew Bledsoe was throwing all sorts of passes all over the place, they had absolutely tremendously bad defenses that were just sucking the life out of them. And then two years later, they had an amazing defense, and by then, Drew Bledsoe had regressed. And it just felt like you could never really get on the same page. And finally, the Buffalo Bills in 2020, they did. Yeah. And now it's, you know, the, the, the easy stuff. <laughs> not that drafting's easy, but you know, it when you're drafting best player available and filling very few needs as a team in this position will be doing, 
it's a lot easier. You can be more flexible. You can manipulate the board a lot easier, move up, move down. You, it's okay to reach for a certain guy, quote unquote, reach. If, if it's a, if it's a guy that you have a certain grade on and you don't have, you don't feel like you're giving up too much for the future because the future is now, the future is now with Josh Allen. You know, we, we didn't fully capitalize on his rookie contract. You know, it's going to be up at the, at the end of this year and we're going to, kind of miss that window unless they hit it this year you know this is the last chance of hitting the window with the lower uh, rookie quarterback deal before we have to pay him you know buku bucks which obviously everyone's gonna be totally fine with uh so you know that's where we are as bills fans and for all you processing fans um this is what it is for today i hope you get something out of this though because like we said on the last episode while this is bills centric it is most definitely still draft centric as well. So we're going to be talking about players that available for other teams. You know, the, the idea is going to be this, uh, we were going to do three drafts, but no, right. So now it's just going to be Bruce and myself and Bruce will go first. And I will purposely pick opposite of the way that Bruce ends up leaning, whatever he goes with pick 30 and his mock draft, I will purposely move away from his and we will try and uh, create good talking points here. Good, uh, discussions about the advantages of going one way or another. And just and when we're all done with this, we'll be able to really see, you know, what um, is the best way for a winning franchise with very few holes. What is the best way to go through this? Because we're not the only team, you know, the, obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the same position. The Kansas city chiefs are in the same position. You know, there's, there's plenty of teams that have winning rosters that will be trying to get as much as they can out of their drafts. What do you think, Bruce? Yeah, I think that one of the things we're probably going to talk about later is that when you have a team that is well-equipped, sometimes you feel like, well, I can make a luxury pick. And one of the Bruceisms that I historically talk about when I talk about the draft is there's no such thing as luxury picks. They don't exist. Luxury picks are not a thing. Kansas City Chiefs picked Clyde Edwards-Alaire 32 overall last year they felt like they were in a window where they could make a luxury pick and now all of a sudden they lost both their tackles and they're sitting there thinking goodness gracious maybe uh maybe we should have picked a receiver because they they tried to get some receivers they thought maybe get an offensive lineman and so for them it's going to be interesting to see if any other contending teams have learned from what happened in kansas city and said hey you know maybe Maybe luxury picks aren't really a thing. Maybe we should stay focused in, stay dialed in. Don't, you know, don't get too cute with some stuff with just because you're a contender. So I think we're going we're gonna to see who falls to the board uh, for the Bills. Yep, I like it. So like I said, we're going to let Bruce go first here as the guest. Um, I will say because uh, obviously Bruce can see me, and I yes, I am decked out in my maize and blue. But to make it up for you, Bruce, I am drinking a Great Lakes Brewing Company um, Edmund Fitzgerald. So, you know, Beautiful. I'm, I'm spending some money on your hometown te- uh, home city there. So beautiful. So the first 10 picks of the draft, yeah. as we ran through the mock draft simulator at the draft network were Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Penny Sewell, four to the Falcons, Rashawn Slater, five to the Bengals. Jamar Chase went to the Dolphins. Patrick Sertan went seventh to the Lions. Justin Fields, Fell all the way to eighth in Carolina and got their man. Micah Parsons went ninth to the Broncos. And J.C. Horn went tenth to the Dallas Cowboys. Moving along, nothing nothing insane there. I mean, Slater, 
being picked at five, there's lots of people. There's a, there's kind of a push for yeah. Slater as OT one. I don't I don't understand that push quite frankly. Um, I feel like it's people getting a little cute with uh, Penny Sewell, but uh, Trey Lance going number two to the Jets over Wilson and Fields is a little bit of a shock. Yeah, but there aren't weren't any trades in the middle, so I think that you know Justin Fields is there at four for Atlanta. You know Matt Ryan's not going to be there forever, so. You know, Atlanta is a team that you think maybe maybe they could pull the trigger on a quarterback. I think uh, unless so. They, you know, when's the next time they're going to be picking in the top five? Yep. You know, it's one of those things where I don't say they got lucky to be this bad, but they essentially got lucky to be this bad. Teams that already have an existing franchise quarterback rarely are bad enough to pick in the top five. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, Sertan being the first corner off the board is something I absolutely agree with. A lot of people are J.C. Horn fans. I think J.C. Horn's a little grabby for me. Right now, he's a really, really, really good athlete who's physical, and that's it. So um, from a technique standpoint, he's a pure man corner. He relies on his athleticism. I don't even think he's CB2. A lot of people are all open like gravy about not thinking J.C. Horn is, is CB2, but there's a huge amount of technique work that he's going to have to do translating to the next level. I think Patrick Sertan is a walk in and be a good player right off the bat at yeah. CB1, so I, I'm happy to have him off the board. I do think it's interesting that Detroit went cornerback, given the fact that they literally just invested a top five pick in a corner last year. Yep. Didn't really have a very good rookie season, so I think it's fascinating. Anything on the top ten you want to talk about before we move on? Yeah, I, I agree with you on the fact that it could you could see four straight quarterbacks happen. Uh, the one thing I was going to ask you before we move on um, – do you really think that San Francisco trading two, three right now, you know, this, like, you know, just kept happening a couple of days ago. Don't you, it feels too soon. Don't you think that they should have pulled this trigger a little later on in the season? Because right now it seems like they're not going to, they didn't get the same value that I thought maybe they would a few weeks from now, closer to the draft. Cause I remember when the bills, you know, pulled off the trades that they did, they waited, you know, they, they, they traded, um, what was the tackle off the top of my head? I can't remember his name. Right. Right. Traded Cordy Glenn to swap the picks. And then they waited until draft day to actually move up. And I think that you get the better value when you do that. I thought it was weird that watch uh, San Francisco pulled this so soon. I think I've noticed that the only time when people pulled the trigger this soon is when they're trading into the top three. Okay. And it's usually because they have three quarterbacks who they go, they're so closely graded that whichever one's there at three, I'm fine with it. Okay. And that's why they do it so early. It's because it's the same thing the Eagles did when they traded to two for Carson Wentz. And so it's the same thing with the, the Washington football team. Previously, the Redskins did it when they traded up for Robert Griffin III. That's right. It's just, you know, it, it, when you have two, or in this case, three quarterbacks who you have graded so close, you're like, well, I want to jump up now to make sure I get one as opposed to waiting on draft day when the bullets are flying, maybe I get outbid for something else. So yep. I get it. I um, I can't fathom them trading up to number three for Mac Jones. I just can't. I know it's popular right now. I, I just, I can't get there. No. I just can't get there. I, if they pick Mac Jones at three, goodness gracious, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. And I think that, that John Lynch has done a good job there with San Francisco. I think it's a Super Bowl roster aside from quarterback, really. And the thing for me is I, I think you, you really push all your chips to the middle of the table if you do that for Matt Jones. Yep. And 
I'm not a Mac Jones guy. I, I don't, I don't even think he's a first round talent, quite frankly. Uh, I, don't, I don't, I have no idea if that's a hot take or not, but there's plenty of people I talk to who, who have him as a day two guy. I have him as a day two guy too, but I think that that's pretty interesting as far as top 10 goes. Let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and resume this draft here. Yep. For those Kyle that Pitts, don't know. Yeah. Well, for those that don't know, um, when you talked about JC Horn, pay attention to Bruce when he talks about uh, his cornerbacks, because that, that's his passion. If you don't know anything about Bruce <laughs> and Buffalo Rumblings, th- this guy breaks down cornerbacks about as well as anybody I've heard. And, and it's a real passion that, uh, you know, a lot of us fantasy guys, we like to talk about our wideouts and our running backs, but I love when I get a real, you know, real draft nut to get in here and, and start talking about the positions that really matter. And cornerback is definitely one of those. And especially this class, very, very fun class to break down. Um, where do you fall on Caleb Farley now that he's had the second confirmed like back issue? I love Caleb Farley. I think yep. he's the, um, he's my CB too. I think he's fantastic. Um, now I do think that the back issues are obviously a concern, but given the fact that I don't have any additional information about it, there's not really much I can do about it. Yeah. It's one of those scenarios where, hey, listen, I, you know, I leave it where it lies, right? I, I judge the tape based on the tape. I recognize the back things are an issue, and I trust that teams will appropriately grade it and appropriately wait for it because I don't know what the long-term ramifications of those types of things are. I know that he's a really good player. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know I like what I see on tape. I have seven corners with first-round grades in this class. Wow. Seven. That's how good this class is. Now, there won't go seven corners won't go in the first round. No, absolutely not. But I think seven corners are worth a first round pick. I think Farley, Stokes, Newsom, Horn, Sertan. Let's see. Do Do you like Samuel? Asante Samuel's my sixth, and then there's a se- there's a seventh guy that I really like, and I think it's uh, Melifon Will. Oh yeah. Uh, now I'm I have serious. Molden. I have Molden as a nickel. That's the reason why he's not on there. I have Aaron Robinson as a nickel as well. Okay. Those are separate uh, separate grades. Nickel defenders get separate grades okay. from outside quarterbacks because it's not even the same position. So the next ten off the board were Kyle Pitts going to the Giants, Jalen Waddle going to the Eagles at twelve. Christian Derrishaw, who has started to slide down people's boards. I feel like earlier in the earlier in the offseason, Derrishaw was really, really high up the boards. And he kind of started to slip down a little bit. Tevin Jenkins, 14 to the Vikings. Devonta Smith falling to the 15th to the New England Patriots. Najee Harris, 16th, the first running back off the board. Najee Harris, 16th to the Cardinals, which I think is a fascinating fit. For him, I actually think the Travis Etienne would be a much, much better fit in that offense. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan, I said that it's the, the definitely we, we've seen that in a couple of mocks and other people talk about it. It's like it's fine because I thought Najee showed during this the long the stretch of Alabama's run there that he does have pretty good hands and he he can be used in the pass game pretty well, a lot more than a lot of uh, Alabama running backs in recent years. The thing that I like about Travis Etienne in that offense is that. You know, one of the knocks on Travis Etienne is, but hey, you know, how good is the field vision? And in the Arizona offense, you know, you're just you're just lining up runways for these people. You know, that, that's that's such a such a powerful tool when you combine it with explosive acceleration yep. that Travis Etienne has. 
So for me, ETN and the Cardinals offense will be a much better fit than, than Najee Harris because you're maximizing the strengths and you're minimizing the weaknesses. Yep. Um, but Elijah Vera Tucker to the Raiders is one of those things that I think is hilarious because you let Gabe Jackson go and you let Rodney Hudson go and then all of a sudden you have to fix your interior offensive line so you have to draft Elijah Vera Tucker at 17. Yep. <laughs> like you're plugging a hole you created on your own. Yeah. And I don't quite understand. Now, I love Elijah Vera Tucker. Just from a Raiders standpoint, it just kind of makes me chuckle. Travis Etienne goes 18th to the Dolphins, which I think is – I mean, Dolphins fans would not be happy about this, getting a running back in the first round after they traded all this capital to try and get a running back and end up getting a running back in the first round. They, Dolphins fans are not going to be happy about this. Travis Etienne, though, is an explosive player. The Dolphins tried really hard to get this right. They brought in Matt Breida. They end up settling on an undrafted rookie running back and some, some journeyman there. But I really don't think ETN gives you a different style than you had in Matt Breida last year. You kind of didn't really use him. Now, ETN's a better player than Matt Breida. Uh, don't, please don't misunderstand me. They're different players, but it's the same basic archetype. So I do think that's probably a bad fit. I would swap these. I would take Travis ETN to Arizona and Najee Harris to Miami. Yeah, I think that's better fit flop the other way around. Yep. Jeremiah Wosu Koromoa goes to Washington. I think that's perfect. I think that gives that gives Ron Rivera his Shaq Thompson sort of player sure. that he had in Carolina as that big nickel, as that player you can leave on the field in sub package. I think it's an unbelievable fit in this mock draft simulator. Rashad Bateman going to the the Bears is a good way to try and get an explosive weapon in the event that you're not able to retain Allen Robinson. And then Greg Newsom to the Colts, I think, is, is a good piece. That Colts defense was really, really good last year. Yeah. And just being able to add another piece who can play in man coverage, I think that Newsom's one of those players where if he had better health and more sample size, I think he could be CD1 in a lot of classes. We so. were teasing um, the Bills potentially trading up with the Colts because of the – okay, and it just happened – uh, a lot of the mocks you see that this edge class is kind of getting compressed and it's all getting pushed to the middle of the pack in the first round. And we're like, okay, but if you're the Bills and you do have a need, yeah, sure, everyone talks about cornerback, but I trust McDermott with whoever he plugs, plugs in there as CB2. But uh, to go out and find that real nice, explosive, bendy, long-armed disruptor on the edge – a guy like Jalen Phillips, a guy like Quiddy Pay. Oh, I see uh, you're highlighting Aziz Ojolari. Is that your is that your edge one? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Ojolari is my edge one. I think he's, okay. he's he's got he's rare. He's just yeah. rare. Uh, Jalen Phillips is a great player. Uh, Quiddy Pay I like a lot. Yeah. But for me, Aziz Ojolari is, is an abs. He just pops off the tape to yeah. you know, with the length, with the bend, with the ability to move in a different way. It's very Brian Burns ish to me the way that okay. he moves. And okay. so I really like that pick. Javante Williams went 24th to the Steelers here, which I think is an absolutely amazing fit. That vision, the contact balance, that's a Steelers running back if ever I've seen one. A lot of people think maybe Najee Harris, but I think Javante Williams is a perfect Steelers running back. He is RB1 in the class for me. I like Javante Williams better than Travis yeah. Etienne and Najee Harris. Um, I understand he doesn't contribute in the pass game quite as much, but just as a pure runner, for me, when I'm evaluating running backs, vision and contact balance provide you with the floor, and then the athletic traits provide you with the ceiling. Right. So I, I appreciate 
blazing speed. You know, I appreciate agility and things like that, but vision and contact balance. If you have good vision and contact balance, your floor is so high that you can function in essentially any offense. And that gives you the ability to be that standard replacement level running back. Think about the great running back busts of all time. Think about players like Trent Richardson. What was it that made him a bust? It was his vision. Horrible vision. Terrible, terrible vision. If you have vision and contact balance, you are basically assured to not be a bust. Yep. And the biggest thing I can hope for for my running backs is not that they have a crazy high ceiling. It's that they have a crazy high floor. Yep. Because I don't want to waste a pick, especially a first-round pick, on a running back that busts out. So for me, I love Javante Williams. I love that fit. Terrence Marshall Jr., 25th to the Jags, is something I was not expecting. I oh, Not a big deed. Do you have do you have a thought on this? I'm a little floored, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not a dire need in my opinion. That they, they don't need to take a wide receiver with their first pick. I think they need to go offensive line. I think they need to think about um, addressing anyone in the safety or cornerback class. Yeah, it, it, it's not that I don't like Terrace Marshall, and it's not even that I think that he is a fringe first round guy. He probably is gonna. If I were to put a full grade on him, it's he's he's a second round wide receiver, but. Um, yeah, I don't, I've seen that a few times. Um, I know it, it, if we click on their needs, I think they do have wide receivers, maybe number two for their needs. I'm not, I'm not sure if you can actually click on it once you've they've drafted, but you know, um, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's really weird. Even if you look at the wide receivers, I would have rather gone with Kadarius, Tony, or Elijah Moore here sure. than Terrence Marshall. Do you think I, he's I know, like Chark? <sighs> I think they're kind of similar. I, I do. I do yep. think they're kind of similar. But yep. to me, like, how would you like to have LaVisca Chenault and Kadarius Tony on the same team? Oh, boy. Same time, right? <laughs> would that just be a lot of fun? Yep. You know, or, or LaVisca Chenault and Elijah Moore. I mean, think about them in an Urban Meyer offense. That's what I'm trying to think of. Terrence Marshall Jr. is a perfectly reasonable wide receiver. I'm just thinking about what Urban can do with LaVisca Chenault, Kadarius Tony, or LaVisca Chenault, Elijah Moore. Yep. Or LaVisca Chenault, Rondale Moore. I understand Rondale's probably a day two guy. I get it. Yep. But you can have a lot of fun if you pick the right receiver. It just feels like they missed out on an opportunity here. Quiddy Pay went 26 to the Browns. Jalen Phillips went 27th to the Ravens. So, like you said, run on edge rushers here. Yep. So, Eric Stokes, Eric Stokes went off the board just then. And I'm on the board here at pick 30. And I got a trade offer here. I got a trade offer from Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay wants to come up. They'll give me a one, a four, and a six. Just to move two spots? To move two spots. Sign me up for that all day long. Absolutely. Give me that. And I got a trade offer again. So it went to 32. I got a trade offer. The Eagles want to move up from 37. They'll give me a two, a three, and a four, a six. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, I'll take that. I'm going to be trading up later on. That's going to happen. I can <laughs> tell you right now. Uh, now I'm up on 30, at 37 again, and the Titans want to give me a two and a three. No, thank you. I'm going to decline that. I'm going to take my pick right here. Okay, so here's what happened in the meantime. So Caleb Farley went 29th yep. to, to the Packers at Virginia Tech. If he was there at 30, I would have taken him. Right. But Absolutely. Jason Owe Jason is there. Now, I like Jason Owe, okay? Freakish tools, freakish athleticism, huge project. Yep. Huge project. Like all the tools, 
I, I don't, I don't see an impact. I don't see an impact week one for him. I don't see an impact this year for him, quite frankly. And I'm okay taking toolsy players, but you have to balance that with the fact that the bills are in a Super Bowl window. Nick Bolton, who I'm not a huge fan of, went 31st to the Kansas City Chiefs out of Missouri. And then the Eagles came up into the first round with me, traded with me at 32, and took quarterback Mac Jones from Alabama, proving that they're not really in on Jalen Hurts here in this, in this scenario. So that was fun. Uh, Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama, was off the board at 33. Samuel Cosme, the Texas offensive tackle, was off the board for the New York Jets at 34. Uh, Gregory Russo and Ronnie Perkins were 35 and 36. So basically, my edges are basically gone. Right. No edges, really, that I can jump in. Me trading back, the cost that I made was I lost my ability to pick up a good edge. So here I am at 37. Here are some of the players that are on the board right now for me. I have Zayvon Collins, mm -hmm. linebacker Tulsa, Kadarius Toney, wide receiver Florida, Aaron Robinson, corner UCF, Elijah Moore, wide receiver Ole Miss, Baron Browning, linebacker Ohio State. I have Creed Humphrey, Wyatt Davis, Landon Dickerson. I got some people here. Okay. I am going to go with Creed Humphrey. Okay. Creed Humphrey's the pick, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to pause this while I explain. Um, first off, John Feliciano is a perfectly reasonable guard, who in this case is signed to a perfectly reasonable contract. However, there are two things that have to be accounted for on the, offense, on the interior offensive line for the Bills. And here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to pull a Kansas City. I'm not going to make a luxury pick, okay? Knowing that everything as it currently is will always be as it currently is. So just because the Bills offensive line seems to be okay right now, if John Feliciano doesn't take a step forward and, and become an above average guard, I think he's a, meh, he's a perfectly reasonable guard at this point. Mm -hmm. And if Mitch Morse were to suffer another concussion, all of a sudden you've got two spots on your offensive, interior offensive line. What if Cody Ford doesn't pair out? Now right. with three spots, yep. then you have issues of the interior offensive line. So I want someone who can come in, compete at guard right away, and be your center of the future if Mitch Morris were to suffer another concussion. If he doesn't, then he can play either guard spot. He has the wrestling back background that you know Sean McDermott <laughs> loves. Right? He, goes on, he goes on missions trips and he wrestles. I mean, come on. <laughs> Obviously, he's a Sean McDermott guy. Obviously. Um, I love his smarts. I think, he's got the, I think he's got the brain, the processing, to be a really good center, which is one of the strengths that we currently have in Mitch Morse. So for me, I'm going Creed Humphrey. What do you think of the pick, Brian? Well, uh, Creed Humphrey, for those that aren't aware of who he is, uh, out of Oklahoma was actually a – probably had a first-round grade or close to a first-round grade for last year's draft class. Opted to come back for one more year and hasn't lost anything. I um, was talking to Joe Marino a few weeks ago about this. Um, it, the recording ended up getting scratched because we had some te technical difficulties. But – from what we were able to talk about with the offensive line, I asked him straight up. I was like, is Creed Humphrey a better player, the same player, or worse player from last year's class? And he said that he didn't get any worse. It's hard to say that he got measurably better. And if you were to get him in the second round, yeah, that's a steal. And it fits a perfect need. 
Uh, there's two things that I want the Bills to continue to do well. We need to continue to pass the ball. That's what we do. It's what we want to do. So keep feeding the machine. So what does that mean? You all, you need to protect the quarterback that is Josh Allen and you need to keep, keep giving him playmakers. And then on the other side of the ball, you need to figure out a way to affect the pass better because I, I think last year, there was a lot of really weak spots as far as getting to the quarterback. So couldn't address it in this, in the, you know, we traded out because we couldn't address edge makes total sense. Instead, you're going to attack the other spot, which is making sure that we can still pass the ball effectively. And that means keeping your quarterback on his feet. Yeah. I think it's perfectly reasonable. Now I, now I know I have, I have capital right now. So if you look at my picks, you know, I've got, I've got 37 under my board, but I, I've got, I got some, I got some capital here. Sure. So we're going to, we're going to start looking at trade-ups right now. Sure. We're going to start looking at them. So the player I have my eye on right now is Asante Samuel Jr. I love him. Okay. Now we're looking ahead and we're looking at the people who are on the board here. We have San Francisco, Dallas, Jacksonville, New England. We have the Chargers. We have the Las Vegas Raiders, who I constantly call the Oakland Raiders. I think there's a reasonable dump. We know that Indianapolis already took a corner, but the Titans at 53 are a concern of mine. They took Trevon Morig, sorry, Merig in the first in this first round of 22 overall. I am really concerned about the Titans at pick 53 taking a corner. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to resume the draft real fast here. And we're going to pause here. Oh, no. I missed it. I missed it. Asante Samuel about taking 49th. I was targeting the Washington football team at 51 to try and trade up and get him, and he got taken 49th. Yep. All right, so I missed my window there. This is, this is hey, it's real life, man. Stuff happens, you know. Um, I'll tell you who is another, is another fun target is Elijah Molden. I think Elijah Molden is a, is a kind of a sub-package defender who can play the nickel for us. And I, I don't think that just outside corner was an issue. I do think that there's an issue there at nickel as well. And, you know, you have a nickel corner going into the last year of his contract in Taron Johnson. Yeah. And we still have Ifeatu Malafonwu, sure. who's here. So we're going to let this thing roll a little bit. Man, Pat Fryermuth's still there. So is Elijah Moore. Do I want to go ahead and trade up with Washington anyway? What is what is the next pick for the Bills in your uh, trade scenario here? The next pick for the Bills is 70. Oh, boy. That, yeah, that, Elijah, that's a long time. Fryermuth, Rondale Moore, they're not going to make it. No. I'm going to trade up. I'm trading up here. I am going to make an offer to the Washington football team here. Where are you here, my friend? Let's go Washington. And I want to offer them some picks here. I'm going to offer them 70 and two sixths. 70 and two sixths to move up to 51. Hmm. See if Washington takes it here. Oh, they declined oh. it. All right, all right, fine, 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 fine. 
I'll, get, I'll throw in another seventh. What do you think, Washington? Come on, don't don't hardball me here. There we go. Just, <laughs> there you go. And I'm up. I'm up at 51. I've got Elijah Moore, Wyatt Davis, Wyatt Davis, Pat Fryermuth, Rondale Moore here. I still have potentially, you know, Elijah Molden if I want to go Richie Grant if I want to go three safeties. Now this yeah. is this is what I like, right? This is not this is not what I think they're going to do. Right? This is just for fun. <laughs> because this is, this is a little bit bonkers. I am going to go ahead and trade up, and I'm going to take Elijah Moore. Okay. And the reason I'm going to take Elijah Moore is because I think that the Bills have their first trio. Their first trio of receivers is Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs. That's yep. your first trio for 11 personnel. Yep. Emmanuel Sanders is 34. Cole Beasley's getting old. Who's the second line? If you think about this like it's hockey, who's the second line? Well, Stefan Davis yeah. is the second line because he's still young enough. Yep. Gabriel Davis is on the second line. And then who's your second line slot receiver? You, you don't have anyone signed long-term that is worth mentioning. Exactly. Yep. So I, I think that this is your Isaiah McKenzie replacement. I agree. And also potentially your Cole Beasley replacement soon. Uh, I think that the big thing that he struggles with, Elijah Moore, is going to be getting off of press. And if you're playing in the slot, that's not going to be an issue for you. Right. So I don't think his release package really needs to be that developed in order to make good use of him in that role. So I'm going Elijah Moore, wide receiver, Ole Miss. Wyatt Davis, Rondale Moore, and Alex Leatherwood went right behind me. So it looks like that was a smart move for me to trade up. Mm -hmm. uh, Brady Christensen from BYU went to the Steelers. Joe Tryon. The edge from Washington, Jabril Cox, coverage linebacker from LSU, was a popular target for the Bills before they re-signed Matt Milano. And Amari Rogers, the do-it-all gadget player from Clemson, going 58th. Amari Rogers reminds me a lot of Josh Reed from LSU. Remember him? I do. You know, got that shorter, thicker sort of uh, sort of stance. You know, someone who we all were convinced was ready to take over the wide receiver two role in the absence of peerless price right oh we're not even gonna miss him turns out we we missed him yeah it, it's funny and his trajectory was so weird as a bill because it wasn't until like the last few years that i finally started appreciating who josh reed became because it seemed like all right towards the end of your career at least you were catching first downs you weren't getting touchdowns but i was like hey there's mr reliable josh reed <sighs> all right moving along here so Pat Fryermark just went – he went 61 to the Eagles. Brevin Jordan. Yep, yep. Okay, so – now Bengals are – they want to trade oh. down with me. Bengals are, are offering to trade down with me. I would do they that. They want me to fair. trade up from 93 to 69, and they want me to trade up and give a three and a four. You know what? I'm going to counter offer that. And I am going to give him a three and a five instead and see if they go for it. What do you think? Yeah. You have a fourth and a fifth selected right now. Do I? Oh, three yeah. and a five. There we go. Okay. Let's go three and a five. Let's see if they take it. I don't want to give a three and a four because I, I really think I can get a, a reasonable player. There you go. They took it. So I'm up again. 
Look at look at Bruce trading up, wheeling and dealing. Yep. And oh baby, that's what I'm talking about. Richie Grant's still there. He's on the he's off the board. Bam. Okay, so Richie Grant's a do-it-all safety. And I really think that there's something two, three safety combinations to deal with some of what the Bills saw last year as far as tight ends dealing with the heavier personnel that you don't really want to go into base. And one of the things that those matchup offensive pieces do to you as a defense is they put you in scenarios where if you're in nickel, you're too small. And if you're in base, you're too slow. Right. I really think the solution to that is these three safeties, these big nickels. And I wasn't able to get my choice. I could have taken Grant and I could have taken, if I had to mellow Fonwu. So I could have taken either one of those people, but I think Richie Grant can be special at the next level. And I like Melifonwu. So a lot of people are going to be like, Bruce, why did you take Melifonwu? I like Melifonwu. I just, I just think Richie Grant's the last one of that type of player I can get in this particular draft. So I understand that now I, here I am. It's been Creed Humphrey, Elijah Moore, Richie Grant. I haven't taken a corner and everyone's like, what Bruce, why haven't you taken a corner? Well, to be honest, it just hasn't really fallen that way. I think I can get Pulse and Adebo. Okay. I think I can get Trill Williams. I think I can get Israel Mukwamu. Yep. Those are my three targets. Are you also banking on the fact of something I said earlier, which is that historically Sean McDermott has not worried about CB2. And honestly, Bills fans, are you that upset (laughs) with who who he's been able to throw in there and and scrap together? Yes. It it seems to work. Oh, I know Bruce is. I know Bruce is. But overall, um, it's the one position that I keep letting him try and coach up the next guy. You know, I know they love uh, Jackson. So it wouldn't, it, it's the one position in this draft, obviously outside of like quarterback or anything, that I felt like if you get an elite prospect at 30, like we almost had, like Caleb Farley, okay. You have an elite prospect. You don't pass on him. You, you do not – what's the old saying, Bruce? You don't pass on great players because you have a good player. Yep. Yeah. So, if unless that scenario presents itself, I'll be one of those Bills fans that just says it's fine. You know, I, I trust McDermott 100%. He, he gets the most out of Levi Wallace. He gave EJ Gaines his best uh, year ever as a pro. You know, it, it, these aren't – these aren't coincidences. It's because he's a great coach, especially at secondary. I agree with you. It's one of the reasons why he's able to extract good, you know, good seasons from these other players. But I'll tell you what, one of the things I want to see from this defense is I want to be able to see an evolution of the scheme. And in order to do that, you have to have the horses. Yeah. And Levi Wallace is not going to get the job done. Dane right. Jackson is not going to get the job done. I'm not saying they can't be perfectly reasonable cornerbacks if you ask them to do limited things. My argument is let's stop asking our limited players to do limited things. Let's get less limited players so we don't have to ask them right. to do limited things. Yeah. So we are going to click resume the draft and we're going to cross our fingers here. The other thing to remember uh, when it comes to Bruce and his ideology on defense is Bruce will fall on the side of he would rather bank on secondary helping the, the front line instead of the, uh, the, the front seven helping the secondary. Yes, it's important to note that I do prefer coverage over pass rush. Yep. Now, the Vikings are a pick 119. I'm a pick 123. They want me to trade up with them. 
there's two corners. I'm going to cross my fingers here. I'm going to decline their offer. Okay. You go. I'm going to decline their offer in hopes that one of the corners I still like is going to fall to me. Okay. Let's just pray to the football gods. It actually happens. Well, one went. It one happened. just went. So Israel Mukwam was still here yeah. out of South Carolina, and he's going to be my pick at 123. Mukwam was someone who can play on the outside, but I also think he can kick inside and help you cover some, some players as far as, the, uh, as far as the tight ends go. I think he's someone who has the size profile to be able to kick in on larger tight ends where Taron Johnson might have struggles. And then you still have Levi Wallace and you still have Dane Jackson on the outside. So it can kind of be that inside-outside defender for you. And I think it gives you versatility on the back end. Now, we're up again at pick 137. As far as people I have on the board right now, let's see here. I've got got some running backs, which is going to be popular for a lot of people, not me. (laughs) But I have Ramondre Stevenson, the running back from Oklahoma. I have Patrick Jones, the edge from Pittsburgh. Kylan Hill, running back from Mississippi State, is really popular. David Moore, the interior offensive line from Grambling. I have Rodarius Williams, the corner from Oklahoma State. Chuba Hubbard, who is popular. Yeah. Uh, Rashad Weaver, the edge from Pittsburgh. You know what we're going to do? We are going to get a developmental edge here. Okay. I could have gotten JV and Hawkins here, the explosive running back from Louisville, but I'm perfectly happy with the running backs as it stands here. I already got my freaky wide receiver. He just happens to be a slot guy. So I can pass on the monstrosity wide receiver, Josh from uh, Illinois. So I'm going to go with Patrick Jones okay. from Pittsburgh. A lot of people like the other Pittsburgh edge better. And I get it. I really do. But when I watch Patrick Jones, I think, okay, this, this guy has, he looks like an NFL defensive end now, if that makes sense. The, the, the technique, the hand usage, the ability to have a different moves, his body type. I think he looks like he's an NFL defensive end right now. So I think he's one of those rare players who could potentially come in and be someone who could, you know, be a rotational defensive end. I'm not saying he looks like a star right now. I'm saying he looks like a veteran right now. He looks like a veteran defensive lineman. And so for me, if I want to get somebody in the fourth round who can come in and be a developmental edge for this team and be kind of to the defensive line what Elijah Moore was to the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Right? I said with Elijah Moore, I said, who's your second line, right? right? With the defensive line, I'm saying, who's your second line? So the first right. line is Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes. And the second line on the defensive end is A.J. Epinesa and... F.A. maybe? No? <laughs> right. Right. F.A. Obara? Okay, yeah. maybe. Now, I'm in the... I'm in the sixth round now. So in the sixth round, I'm going to be looking for specialty players. I'm going to be looking for people who I think can. Oh, there he is. Yes, there he is. Okay. So, yeah, we need to talk about Forrest Merrill. Okay. Arkansas State, 6'1", 320. I think that you need to start dealing with the fact that Harrison Phillips isn't going to be here next year. I I think think they need need – Harrison Phillips has become – a replacement level one tech who has only ever actually played really well for brief flashes in his career. And he's been majorly hurt a couple times. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I know that he's the Walter Payton man of the year. As far as the nominee from the Buffalo bills, I understand he's beloved in the community. He's probably not going to be here next year. So for me, I'm going for Smeryl. Do you have some thoughts on that pick? Well, when you took, uh, 
Patrick Jones, um, I was noticing that the West Virginia defensive tackle was still on the board, Stills. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the last defensive lineman that I'm like familiar with as far as um, the big pluggers go. So I'm, I'm not very familiar um, with uh, the, the guy you just drafted. I, I do know him only because of following along with the senior bowl. You know, it was a guy that I remember, you know, um, getting tweeted out his measurements or something like that. So my final haul is Creed Humphrey, interior offensive line, Oklahoma, Elijah Moore, wide receiver, Ole Miss, Richie Grant, safety, UCF, Israel Mukwamu, cornerback, South Carolina, Patrick Jones, edge, Pittsburgh, Forrest Merrill, interior defensive line, Arkansas State. Overall, how do you feel like I did? What do you feel like you would have done differently? I don't have a lot difference. The only um, slight change would probably be uh, your third pick and going after, yeah, going after, uh, I can never pronounce his name from Syracuse. Uh, uh, if that's a Yeah, that that would just be the only change. Honestly, um, I would have taken Creed Humphrey as well. Uh, I do love taking Elijah Moore. It, Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore are um, – th- these are players that, you know, the Bills are interested in. It, it's something that I don't know if everyone's tuned into this. I hope you are. I hope you're following along with Bruce and everyone at Buffalo Rumblings and just staying dialed in. But they're targeting – some very elite athletes they have gone and talked to and visited and observed pro days of some very, very special players of elite athletic profiles. So I I think they will try and grab one of them. I think they saw what Kansas city is able to do. I think they've seen what other teams are able to do and they realize that's a deficiency on this team right now. They don't have elite speed. I also think that they need to get a little faster on defense, but this draft, probably the way it lined up was a little tougher to pull off, but I like the idea of a developmental edge. Uh, I like the idea of constantly adding a cornerback. You always have to take one. Uh, Richie Grant was probably the steal out of all those picks, I would imagine. And then um, I, my favorite pick is Creed Humphrey. Okay, man, you're up. Okay. Are you, are you ready? I am ready. So I will not be doing any trades, so we'll just give you nice and straightforward. So basically the first round went very similar to the way Bruce's draft went. We got Trevor Lawrence. We got Justin Fields, Zach Wilson going one, two, three. So the only difference in the first three is it's Justin Fields and not Trey Lance. And then it is Penny Sewell and Rashawn, uh, Rashawn Slater, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, then Trey Lance goes to Carolina. So you just got those being flip-flopped there. Uh, Micah Parsons still goes to the Broncos. That's a, such a weird one. that like It has to happen, right, Bruce? Like Micah Parsons has to be a Bronco. It feels like one of those things that was just destined. It's in the stars. Yep. Uh, and then it, I mean, everything's very similar. Patrick Sertan, uh, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, J.C. Horn, Christian Derrissaw. Uh, Mac Jones ends up with New England in this one. Uh, Najee Harris still goes to the Cardinals. Tevin Jenkins instead goes to the Raiders instead of taking Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, your boy Ojolari ends up going to the Dolphins. How's that make you feel, Bruce? Not happy. Not happy. I'm not. I'm not happy no. at all. This is this is the uh, the uh, the boss from the Incredibles going. I'm not happy, Bob. <laughs> That's right. 
that's not going to work well for us. Uh, but, but I better make sure that I um, think about our offensive line when I get to the Bills pick here. Uh, so Trevin uh, Morig actually gets a big bump here. He goes to Washington at 19. Elijah Vera Tucker at 20. Uh, Rashard Bateman ends up going to the Colts in this one. Uh, Samuel Cosme to the Titans. Quiddy Pay to the Jets. I hate that too. They're putting together pretty good defense. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa ends up going to the Steelers. Terrace Marshall still goes to the Jags. Uh, Jalen Phillips goes to the Browns this time. And then the Ravens take Owa to counter that. Kadarius Tony goes off the board two picks before the Bills. So I don't even get an option on that. And then Greg Newsom ends up going to the Packers. So you know what that means, Bruce? What does it mean? Caleb Farley is available for the Bills. I mean, you have to, right? And in fact, not just Caleb Farley, but also Eric Stokes is available for the Bills. Oh, you got to take Farley, right? I'm, I'm taking Farley, um, but I will openly admit, and I've said to Ryan, and I hate drafting players with back injuries. Back injuries are scare me more than any other position. Uh, talk, uh, listening to Ross Tucker talk about them many times, uh, he's very familiar. He had many back surgeries in his career, and it's it's something that's, you know, we're all fighting it. We're fighting gravity all the time with our backs, and these guys are doing much more than we are on a daily basis. So, you're not wrong. I mean, Rob Gronkowski obviously famously fell to the second round mostly because of his back issues, and he went on to have a, a Hall of Fame career. And now I'm sitting here going. Ah, we took Terrell Troop instead. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I, I do remember him writing a letter or doing an interview. It probably was with Tim Graham. And he's like, I still get hate mail from Bill's, you know, Bill's Mafia. He's like, but guys, you realize, like, I wanted to keep playing. I couldn't. And it's like, I, I understand. I, most people don't, but I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So here's, uh, I'm not going to go through the whole second round, but, uh, here are the options for the Bills in the second round, staying at pick 61. Uh, safety, Jevin Holland out of Oregon. Uh, you have Jabril Cox. Uh, Creed Humphrey is still there. That probably will be my pick. Uh, Jamin Davis, uh, Richie Grant, Tommy Togaya. Togaya? Togiai. Togiai, there we go. Uh, Nico Collins, Hale. <laughs> I don't even know if I should say that with him. He barely even played for Michigan. As I try and remind people all the time, I'm like, the guy barely suited up. Uh, I'm not going to go too much further down the board because, honestly, there aren't many players of the caliber as Creed Humphrey. I think he is, like I said, he's a borderline uh, day one slash round one pick for me, and I'm happy to take him here in the second round for the Bills. I think that's the right move. I think you being able to get Creed Humphrey at that spot with Caleb Farley, so far your draft is off to a markedly better start than mine just because of the way the board fell. I think in the first round, one of the things you told me was Jeremiah Wissu-Koromo went to the Steelers, which I think is a horrible fit. I think that the Steelers, you know, they don't run a defense that historically makes use of those particular types of sub-package defenders. And so I actually think if there was a, one team in the league that I thought, goodness gracious, please don't please don't draft Jeremiah Wilson-Cormel. You're just going to waste him. It, right. would be the, it would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just not what they do historically on defense. So I think that having bad fits like that is kind of one of the things that helps push players like Farley to 30 and players like Humphrey to 61. Right. I agree. 
So now it gets a little weird because uh, apparently the third round is where a whole bunch of teams should be taking the second tier or third tier of cornerbacks because that's what I'm staring at. Let's see here. We got a couple of edges to start off, Ronnie Perkins and Peyton Turner. Then it's Aaron Robinson and Benjamin St. Juche. And then it's uh, Tolanoa Hafunga, uh, a safety uh, then Israel uh, Mukamo. That's the guy that you took, isn't it? Yeah, Mukamo. I took him. Yep, yep. And then uh, Hamilcar uh, Rashad Jr. Uh, Jordan Smith also there. Dio uh, Deo Odabahi. Oh man, these names are crazy this year. <laughs> I've noticed that. I'm like, okay, apparently this is a, a big year to take uh, anyone with some sort of Samoan heritage in their, uh, you know, family tree there. Let's go. I like taking um, – he's, he's the last guy that I'm slightly interested in as an edge, and that's Hamilcar Richard Jr. How do you feel about him out of Oregon State? Um, Oregon is or, – sorry, Oregon State is one of those, one of those programs that I always, I always feel like they're, they're the last school I end up studying. Like okay. – like, uh, when it comes to the when I when it comes to like watching tape, I always end up I always end up watching them last because I catch them so infrequently during the regular season. I catch them during the regular season so infrequently because they're Pac-12 and they're always on so late. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's I one agree. of those scenarios where it's like, goodness gracious, I watched the least of him, so I'm not even done with Ricard Jr. Like I'm, I'm not even done with them because we're it's March 29th now. I still have almost a month to go, and so there's a bunch of players I haven't even gotten to yet, and most of them are Pac-12 people. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It, it's rough for us out here trying to catch those, you know, the Pac-12 after dark games. Um, I'm actually gonna go down the board and take Daz Newsom out of UNC. Okay, okay, I know that. Yeah. So, Daz Newsom, he's 5'11", projects pretty well into the slot. Gifted athlete. Um, What what do you think about him, Bruce? About Newsom? I think that Newsom is somebody who, if you have a concern about returner long-term, I think he's somebody that you get. I think that Brandon Bean kind of plugged up the holes at returner by bringing back Isaiah McKenzie, by signing the people he needed to sign to be able to make sure he didn't go into the draft with a significant need in that spot. But if you look at the return position, you go, geesh, you know, I really want to make sure that we have somebody who's the long-term returner for this team. I think Gaz Newsom could be that guy. You know, 5'11", 190. I think he's somebody who who can return punts at the next level right away. Okay. I wasn't expecting um, to walk away with a, a double kind of um, taking care of two positions at once. But if you tell me that he's good at returning punts, and I'm happy to take care of that for the next few years. Yeah, Newsom's one of those players where he just he just does everything right. As far as okay, you just look at you just look at the boxes. Okay, just go. Can he separate? Yes, check. Is he, you know, good route runner? Check. 
separation quickness, check. Do you have good hands? Check. Mm-hmm. Is he really competitive? Yes, check. Is he a yak guy? Yeah, check. It's just that in the North Carolina offense, that spread offense that they're running in North Carolina yeah. with Howell there, he just doesn't run a lot of different routes. Yeah. And it's one of those things where can you really blame Newsom for the things he doesn't do well? You know, I okay, can he get off press? Well, did he have to get off press? So it's one of those things where I understand that there's deficiencies in Newsom's game, and I get it. But when you look at Newsom and you go, okay, he can't do those things, that doesn't mean he tried to do those things and he failed. It just means he's never had to do those things. And I think that's a different type of negative than the I tried to do them and I stink at them. Mm-hmm. So I think that the it almost is not really a negative. It's an incomplete grade when okay. it comes to Newsom's negatives. So yeah. I'm completely happy with him. Where are we right now in the draft? We are um, entering the fifth round right now. Yeah, I'm completely cool with him at this point in the draft. Okay. Uh, so now at pick 161, I, this is a perfect trade out kind of scenario. You know, at least try and capitalize as much as you can. If anyone's calling you, I would definitely trade back now because this is, there's a lot of wide outs, there's a lot of edges, there's some running backs, some safeties. Nothing's really filling my needs. So what I'm actually going to do, because I'm not doing any trades, is I will feel like I'm reaching a tad bit. But I like this player, especially like, I mean, they had such a great defense last year. Uh, I'm going to take Jalen Twyman out of pit. And the idea behind that is we need to keep adding dogs to that defensive tackle rotation because – that you already said Harrison Phelps probably not going to be there long term. I hate the contract that we're stuck with with Star Latulale. It's an anchor winged this franchise down in many ways, uh, you know, pun intended. And I, I think that we, we need to look to the future. I understand everyone tells me all the time, like, oh, you don't understand what Star brings to the team. It's like, no, I do. I understand. He eats a blockers and he helps to keep the linebackers clean. But do you know that you can also draft guys that? actually get after the quarterback and do that. Like you, it's not a mutually exclusive thing where, Oh no, you only draft guys that can only plug up holes and take on blockers. Like that's not true. You can find guys, you know, it, in fact, it, it, um, I was trying to remember the giants. Um, uh, did they franchise take them? Their defensive tackle Thompson or Tomlin Tomlinson. Or, I can't remember. Yeah, Tomlinson signed with the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, that's where he went. See, mm-hmm. I was like, it, it, he's a perfect example of that. He's he's a guy that, sure, that's his the best trait that you can think of. Yeah, he's a big body guy, hard to move, eats up the blocks, does a good job of you know doing his job in that role. But at the same time, he can get clean and get after a quarterback when he needs to do too. I I can't remember Star ever doing that. Yeah, no, I I can't either. But you know, the the thing about Twyman is Twyman would be your backup to Ed Oliver. You think he's that lean? Yeah, I think he played in the two, the high two eighties. Okay, yeah, he's real lean. He's he's fairly short. You know, six two. I think he played in the high two eighties. He's one of those quick twitch penetrator tackles, and I don't think he's somebody who can really help you at one tech. Okay, and I don't think he's going to be able to help you at one tech move forward. Now he will help you replace partially Quentin Jefferson if you wanted to play FA Obada 
as strictly an end and you didn't really want him to kick inside, I think that'd be a mistake because I think that one of the things that Obada gives you is the ability to kick inside. But if you just wanted to play him as a base end, then you wanted to find a backup for Ed Oliver. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Jalen Twyman becomes that, but I don't think he's a one-tech. Okay. All right. Yeah, I got to dig into him a little bit more. Um, that's such a talented defensive line. Oh, me. man. Pittsburgh's going to have – Pittsburgh's going to have at least three, maybe four, defensive linemen taken. Yeah. It's a shame they can't get more out of that program. But, you know, it's fun when you get to see a good draft class come out of Pitt. So, now we are into the, what is this, the second fifth-round pick at pick 174. And there's a few positions that I would like to be able to address before I leave this draft. And – one of them is Bruce running back just because I like the idea of keeping the young running backs. I don't count Christian Wade at all. All right. Uh, we only signed uh, Breda to just that one year deal. I am not that ecstatic about having Singletary as your RB one. Um, while I get everything that he brings to the table, you know, he does, he has the contact balance and he has the vision that we've already talked about. He has the baseline. He has no juice. So if I can leave this draft with adding a guy who you may have to coach up a little bit, but has that God-given talent of just straight athletic ability, I would like to be able to do that. It's going to be – I'm not going to reach, though. You know what I mean? I'm going to let it come to me. Oh. And I think what I want to do – I think I want to add to the safety core because I like the idea of what you talked about with the three safeties. So I'm going to actually let you make these picks for me, okay? Uh, we, got, we got Caden Stearns, and we got Paris Ford, and then we got Brady Breeze. Those are the next safeties available. All right, we're going to take Paris Ford. Okay. That group. Why Paris Ford? Well, first off, because he's from Pitt. Okay. So I think that that's really important that we just continue on with the – That's right. You know, continue on with the, with the thing that we need to do. Um <laughs> The thing that I like about Paris Ford is that the things I don't like about Paris Ford, I think, can be fixed. That's the thing. I think that Ford is a reckless player. He is a reckless player. And to be honest, I'd much rather have a safety that comes downhill too hard and is too reckless, and because of that sometimes takes bad angles, than a safety who doesn't want to stick his nose in there at all. So for me the ability to get Paris Ford in the fifth round and still be able to have the tools. Cause that's really what he is. He's a, he's a ball of tools. He has some traits and traits give you options, but that's a lot of rough edges to Paris okay. Ford, like a lot of rough edges. I think he can come in because of his aggressiveness. I think he can come in and immediately be an impact player on teams which is really important when you're picking a safety in the fifth round. Can he be on teams? And I think he can. And he gives you tools that Jaquan Johnson doesn't give you. Jaquan Johnson can be a good player on teams too, but I don't want Jaquan Johnson to play basically any meaningful snaps at safety ever. And this is coming from a guy who really likes Jaquan Johnson. Paris Ford, I think, gives you that Jaquan Johnson immediacy help when it comes to teams, but also gives you tools that you can end up developing into something. Because when you look at Paris Ford, you just go, okay, he's just a ball of traits at this point. There's really, really rough around the edges 
right? He's rough in coverage. He's rough in tackling, but he's hyper aggressive and he's got all the traits and you go, okay, you know what? I can turn this guy into something. So for me, if I'm taking a safety in the fifth round, I want to try and develop him. I want to be able to have someone who can be an impact early on teams. I'm taking Paris Ford. Yeah. All right. So then the next pick for the bills is in the sixth round. And I think this is when I'm going to take my pure athlete. It's a guy that I know for sure needs a lot of work. And actually, I'm not even I'm not even projecting him to hit. But it, the juice is just undeniable. And it's a guy that I've been kind of just hovering around as he's my last ditch, my, my last chance at running back to make an impact on this roster. I'm going to take JV and Hawkins out of Louisville. And all JVN has got right now is speed for days. The, the, the guy's got juice and agility and all that. But as far as the ball, the, the vision, the contact balance, you're not asking him to run between the tackles. You're not asking him to run out of any sort of power eye, anything downhill like that. You want to get this guy out into space. You know, you can put him at jet sweeps. You can do some screens to him. You can do, you know, some gadgets with him. And then, you know, any zone stretches. Zone stretches, anything you were, you know, give, give him a chance to get on the edge and, and pick his spot. And he can be a home run maker. I think it's funny about JV and Hawkins is he actually reminds me a lot of Anthony McFarland. Okay. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course, have. And yep. when, when the Pittsburgh Steelers had James Conner go down, earlier this season they kind of it was the Snell or Anthony McFarland show like which one was it going to be was going to be Benny Snell or was going to be Anthony McFarland and even though Anthony McFarland is clearly the more dynamic athlete the Steelers just kept hanging hanging the ball to Benny Snell yeah and it just goes to show you that you know speed isn't everything and the reason why Benny Snell had the trust of his coaching staff and had the trust of his team was because he had the vision. He had the contact balance. And Anthony McFarland had all the explosive speed for days, but it's not going to save you. It's right. not going to save you. And so JV and Hawkins is somebody who I think can be a really good scheme fit. You and I talked about, you and I talked about the Arizona Cardinals and getting runways open for running backs and not requiring them to make calls and have good vision. Yeah. Making sure you have a gap scheme that just opens up lanes for them. JV and Hawkins is that kind of player for me. So I think if the Bills want to continue to run as much zone as they ran last year, I think he's a bad fit. But if they're going to go back and be more of a man spread sort of running team, I actually think J.B. Hawkins has a shot in the same way that like C.J. Spiller had a shot in the old Chan Gailey offenses where they spread you out and they run power. If the Bills want to do the same type of thing and get away from the 12 personnel, 13 personnel, get away from the zone running as well, I think Hawkins can do some damage. It, and watching his tape, it, and it's that that's really, I mean, it's just watch the guy just run to the edge and just like visually just see, like, uh, can I get to the sideline? And when he does, sure, home run, touchdown. When he can't, yeah, he's bottled up. He, he, he does, he has no thickness to him. Like, it in the sixth round, there was two running backs. It was either you take Jarrett Patterson or you take JV and Hawkins as a UB Bulls fan. I love Jared Patterson. The guy did some remarkable things that only a few running backs in history have ever done. 
You know, he 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 tied an all-time touchdown record in a single game with eight, and then he reached a uh, a really crazy class of running backs of the fastest to get to a thousand yards rushing, which is five games. And he's in there with a bunch of Hall of Famers, you know, college all-time players. And he actually did it in four and a half games because they sat him for a half. <laughs> he didn't he didn't get to play the second half of one of those games. But he's very comparable to like a Singletary. So that's why I didn't go with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, if you want to add a dynamic athlete, then Jared Patterson is not what you're going to add. Yeah. I mean, Jared Patterson is a perfectly reasonable athlete, but he's not an exceptional athlete for the position relative to the competition. Exactly. So if you want to add another vision and contact balance guy, you already have two of those. Yeah. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. So I understand why you want the Hawkins. Yep. I do think he can be a really good pro because he checks off those two boxes very well. His vision and his contact balance are as good as anybody's in the class, in my opinion. It's just oh, everything. That's a strong statement. Well, everything after the fact, you know, he's not as fast as Travis Etienne. He's not as fa- as powerful as Najee Harris. You know, he he doesn't re- he doesn't get as many targets in the in the backfield as a Javante Williams would get. You know, all these other running backs that are going to take taken well before him, they've been giving opportunities and they've been giving um you know the schemes to really show off their skills, and Jared Patterson did too, but. You know, those Mac guys, they always get dogged on a little bit. But his contact balance, the way he runs between the tackles, you know, so many times I saw him just – he's got such thick legs. You know, it's it's like watching um, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew. You know what I mean? He's very similar in my opinion. Obviously, I don't want to compare him to, a you know, the ceiling of Maurice Jones-Drew. But as far as build-wise, thick legs, very short, just stocky build. And, you know, I, I think Jared manipulates the, the line very well. And I think he's going to surprise people. I think he's going to hang around in this thing a lot longer than people think he's going to. I agree with you. He's somebody who just he, – he feels like – like I said before, you know, when you have the vision and contact balance with the traits, you can have a floor and you can be a reasonable, successful running back in this league for a long time. Somebody who's just kind of hanging on, somebody who just doesn't really wash out quickly, always seems to find a job – if you've got vision and contact balance, you can find a job in yeah. this league for a long time. And I have a feeling that Jared Patterson is going to be one of those players. Yep. And then uh, to close it out, let's take a teammate of his. Let's take Malcolm Coons. And that's just developmental edge. <laughs> okay. So talk to me about Coons. Uh, well, Coons, uh, you know, he set some UB school records. Um not not as tall as you would not as long as you would like, not as explosive as you would like, but you know very productive. Um, he's six three. He's two forty eight. He probably doesn't have the exact reach that Sean McDermott would be looking for, but you know he he does just enough to hold his spot in the run game. Um, he's pretty good at waiting out tackles. You know that's a way to play it too, which is you're not necessarily trying to explode off their hip and bend around the edge like those some of those guys do. He's more the guy that's willing to engage and then try and counter. You know what I mean? So it it it's not it's not a sexy pick. It's not going to be a, even a pick that I think's going to land because here's the here's the, just the deal with the, where the Bills are. 
some of these guys that are taken in the sixth round and seventh round, they may not make the teams and they may not get signed back to the practice squad. It's a very competitive roster. There's a lot of very good depth already on this team returning. So people that make this team from this draft class are going to have to earn it. The thing I think is about interesting about Kunis is that if you're going to take an edge or a defender this part in the draft, you really want to bank on length and tools, things you can't teach. Yeah. And the Bills already did that when they took Daryl Johnson. Sure. So it's not crazy to have them take someone like Koontz late in the draft because they think, okay, I can't teach long arms. You know what I mean? And yeah. Malcolm Koontz is a guy who acknowledges his long arms. He plays like he's long. You see this all the time in, in MMA. You have people with really long arms and really good length advantages, but they don't fight like that. They don't fight and they use their length. Malcolm Koontz is very aware of how long he is. And so because of that, he's somebody who you say, oh, yeah, I can build off that. Yeah. You know, you get him, in a, get him in a professional weight training and strength and conditioning program, and you think, okay, maybe, you know, you get a toolsy guy like this, he can help me. Maybe he can help me on teams early on, and he's somebody who I could potentially take a flyer on, see if I can develop into something. Yeah. You know, the motor's there, the length is there, I can work with the rest of it, you know? Yep. Yeah, he really does. When when uh when I noticed him win for UB, not that they got to play a lot of games this year, but the games I did watch, uh, the when he did get to the quarterback, it wasn't the quick ones. It wasn't, you know, flying around the edge, being the pure athlete, getting that forty-five degree angle, and just making it real tough on the tackle. Really, what it was is, you know, under he's got pretty good intelligence, is what I think. Is like he understands leverage. He understands how to use his long arms. And like I said, he's willing to get engaged with the tackle, use that length, keep the guy at bay, and then work off of that and feel the leverage. So, but once again, we're talking about Mac. So maybe he isn't going up against the best tackles. I mean, in fact, I mean, as we're going through these drafts, I mean, neither one of us talked about taking any of those, you know, Mac tackles. So, no, we didn't. No. Not not a good Mac class, and and overall, I think actually this year, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh. Well, that's it. That is it. We don't have the third one. I'm maybe I'll have Rye do one tonight when he gets out of work, and we can post it to Facebook just so he feels like he participated or something like that. Uh. But we did have Bruce, and it was awesome watching you go through all the trades, manipulating the board, going after certain guys. You know. Uh, it, it sucks that you missed out on Asante Samuel. I know that you'll be thinking about that all night. I know. I oh, hope yeah. you get some sleep. <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Bruce, you nailed it, dude. You're the best, man. Um, tell the folks where to find you. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. I am a uh, podcaster for the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. My show, The Bruce Exclusive, drops on Thursdays and Fridays on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. And uh, you're doing live stuff now, aren't you? I do. I do live stuff on Locker Room now, Thursday okay. Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern time. I do live stuff on Locker Room, which is an iOS app where we can do that. And then maybe later this offseason we'll shift and we'll start doing live stuff on YouTube. I don't know. We'll just see how people uh, – See how people do it. I'm not gonna show my face, but we'll still do it. Right. That that is that is the important part. You know, keep keep the uh the big big brother watch um you know, trying to find you. Absolutely. You know, you gotta stay one step ahead, man. There you go. Bruce, really appreciate it, man. Take care of yourself, all right? Thanks a lot, bro. Talk to you later. All right.
Thanks for tuning in, processors. Until next time, keep on processing that process. Do you trust the process? Do you respect the process? Get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. We got to drive 75 yards. All right. We can do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. So what's the play? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready. Set. Mother. Delay of game. Offense.